welcome back to the second episode of the uh, Bake Off special edition of Spoilers for Days. If this is your first time listening to us, have a go listen to our previous episode where we talk about um, the Great Australian Bake Off. Um, because today's episode, we're going to mostly explore the 10th season of the Great British Bake Off, the original um, home of all things wholesome and baked goods-esque. Um, I'm Josh, and with me I have got Brandon. Hello, everyone. How are ya? <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's going to be the two of us. We might have a uh, very special guest um, give a little bit of their thoughts about the show um, later on. But I guess, Brandon, um, we'll start off with what what do you like about British Bake Off? I really, really, I really loved this season. I gotta say, ever mm-hmm. since it's been on the ch- on the Channel Four, like, I mean, it's only its third year, but even from season eight, nine to ten, there's been sort of a bit of a slippery dip um, mm-hmm. in terms of quality. And I have to say, this one's probably been one of my favourite ones ever since it transferred across don't think it'll uh, like it's certainly not wasn't my favorite season i don't mm-hmm. think it'll ever be as good as it was back in its heyday on the bbc but it's definitely shown a lot of improvement mm-hmm. if i was to give it my mark out of 10 i at this stage i'm sort of hanging towards around the seven and a half to eight out of okay. 10 mark Perhaps mm. by the end of this, I'll finally make up my mind. We'll see. I'm just a bit indecisive. <laughs> I mean, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I guess for context, I watched... I am very new um, to British Bake Off, and yep. Bake Off in general anyway. Um, so really the first season I properly was invested in was last season. Yeah. Uh, season 9. And to me, this season... Um, is so much better than season nine, um, mm. primarily because I felt like last season's edit, um, and I think a lot of people picked this up too, is the fact that um, the judges were shown to be more favourable to certain contestants. Yeah. Uh, and it, it didn't feel... Um, homely or wholesome enough i guess uh and this season i and i can see what you mean by it it's getting better and they found their groove and noel and sandy and prue have found their groove in the show now yeah um and yeah that's how i I think there were a lot of teething issues in season Mm. eight nine they were still trying to figure out where they were going from it um you're never ever going to be follow in the footsteps of the original four i don't think yes point in trying you need to sort of make it you need to make it your own yeah Mm. i i feel like it's sort of because i've been watching the show for about five and a five and a half years now the first season i ever saw was season four and like my in my opinion the best seasons of bake off in general across all the various versions of it my favorite ones are four and five and you know there's a lot of good baking ability but also just one thing i've always said is i think 
the bakers as people are just as important as their mm. baking ability. And those seasons, very, very wholesome. Lots of really great characters to love and all that. Because one thing I found uh, in season eight and nine of Bake Off is that only maybe maybe one, two, maybe three bakers that I sort of warmed to and got really attached to. But back in the earlier days, you, there was nearly half the tent. You got so attached to them and you got, yeah. I, I always got really sad when they got went, went home. And I've actually found mm -hmm. that this season I've started to feel like that again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can, I can definitely agree with you on, especially, yeah. And, and like, you know, um, you get to see the humanity of the bakers as well. Mm. And this season, um, I really need to go and watch the previous, like, seasons on the Beeb. Um, yeah. but this season, you really, I guess, felt attached to, um, Lots a of lot of the bakers. You, you invest so much. I yeah, think. and all for different reasons as mm, well. Mm, yeah. But, I guess what we'll do is I'm going to segue to our very special guest who has very kindly provided me their thoughts on the Great British Bake Off um, for season 10. Um, and what I'll do is I'll introduce Sophie to you guys now. Sophie from You Know What I Like podcast here to give you my thoughts on the latest season of Bake Off. Um, I have to confess I was slightly slow out of the blocks with this year's Bake Off. Um, I got struck down by a truly horrendous cold and I took a day off work and I wrapped myself in a duvet and drank lots of Aid and just watched the first seven episodes of the season in one epic session. Um, because what I was craving in my Lemsip adult state was the soothing familiarity that Bake Off gives you. All of the set design is so quaint. All of the bakers are so endearing as you get to know them. Um, the baked good challenges, which become increasingly obscure as the seasons progress and we run out of things that they've not made before. Um, plus, like, high-intensity drama paired with the reassuring knowledge that at the end of the day it is just cake. <laughs> um, if I can level a small critique at this season. I will say that I feel like some of the judging this year occasionally verged on being a little bit overly harsh. That's potentially based on who my favourite bakers were. <laughs> um, also, I do miss Mary Berry still, I have to confess. I don't doubt Pruleith's credentials, but I do miss Mary Berry's kindness at the edges. Um, also, the double elimination this season gave me war flashbacks to my time as a teenager where I watched too much America's Next Top Model. But I did have a merry old time watching it all. And we had such a strong crop of bakers this year. So I thought I would whittle it down to my top three and just give you why I enjoyed each one. So first in my heart is, of course, our Halloween queen, Helena. Where Kim Joy last season was pure sweetness, Helena is the spice, creating innovative spooky bakes each week, serving truly iconic fashion looks in the tent, and also having some delightful back and forth with Noel. I'm hoping that someone equally as fabulous is going to enter the tent next season, and then they can create 
GBBO Powerpuff Girls, Sugar Spice and Everything Nice. Um, next up, my number two is my Welsh wonder, Michelle. I felt like Michelle was a strong technical baker, but most importantly, she managed to make everything tie into Wales somehow. Dragon, check. Named in Welsh, check. I love a strong commitment to a theme, as you can tell from my love for Helena, and Michelle delivered. Given my choices so far, you can imagine why I am slightly salty about certain elimination decisions, because the double elimination week was a crime. Um, finally, my third baker is one that I'm sure you are all very familiar with if you follow Josh on any form of social media. It is, of course, Michael. Sweet, precious Michael. Not only does he so strongly remind me of a guy I went to school with, shout out to Stephen, you will literally never hear this, but hi, um, he had creativity, remember Hamish the cow? Uh, and most importantly, a whole lot of heart. I think we all wept when he wept, but then he pulled himself together like the little trooper that he is. He is truly an icon of the tent and of my heart. Um, that's everything I sort of wanted to say. I just thought... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I thought. It's all cute and lovely and I like baking. That's why I like GBBO. Um, that's it. I don't really know how to end this now, so I'm just gonna stop. Have a nice bake-off chat. Goodbye. Also, follow You Know What I Like on Twitter at YKWL Podcast and maybe check out the podcast. That's it. I'm professional. Goodbye again. Um, what did you think about Sophie's thoughts on Bake Off, Brandon? I completely agreed with every single thing she said because uh, she mentioned how she really missed Mary Berry and I do have to mm-hmm. admit I really miss the old MB as well. <laughs> so um, you buy I mean, for days. Yeah, like for me, the original lineup, Paul, Mar- uh, Mary, Mel and Sue, they're will always be my favourite lineup. The original lineup will always be my favourite. I don't think you can match the chemistry of them. I think Prue does a really good job, but as we've seen, especially this season, I mean, even in general, since it's been on the Channel 4, the judging has gotten way harsher and on times mm-hmm. actually bordering on being actually not being constructive to actually being actually a little bit nasty because when, mm-hmm. when it was on the BBC and it was Paul and Mary, you sort of had that good cop, bad cop dynamic. So Paul yeah. was obviously the the bad cop. Um, I mean, he says it as it is and he still does. Whereas Mary, yeah. like if something's bad, she'll tell mm. you it's bad, but she's got a really sort of lovely way of delivering it. And I remember yeah. seeing like a special... Um, I think it might have been Martha Collison from season five. I think she said this, that Mary Berry will always find something good to say about Mm. your bake, even if it's just that she really liked the plate that you presented it on. (laughs) Whereas now with Paul and Prue, I actually do like Prue. I do. I think she fits in well, but you've got basically Mm -hmm. two really harsh people judging. And I think, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's going to be really stressful in the tent for them. Like it's 10 weekends of their lives. And, in between that they're still doing going to work taking care of their kids while trying to also perfect all these recipes and then do them in a 
really unrealistic period of time and then they basically <laughs> and when things go right they basically tell, get told it's fucking shit and then they all fall apart oh goodness me yeah i don't i think what i found is especially in the last two seasons paul yeah. has become i don't know to me it's as though he's getting fatigued from the show Mm. In a similar way that a lot of the judges from MasterChef Australia, yeah, definitely, I feel you can feel it. Um, something about that is sort of mirrored in what Paul has been doing, um, especially in uh, which week is this? Um, that one technical where he was just like, "This is all shit." Um. I cannot remember which the maids of honor. Which, oh which, yes, yes, yeah, I do remember that, that one. That one was just like, where did this come from? Um, and I'm sure we'll pick it up in. Uh, we'll compare it to other seasons, but I feel like Paul's definitely feeling the fatigue of having done this, you know, ten, 10 years, years in a row. And I don't know. It, it's just like I, the vibe has been very, just like. It's bordering confrontation. Yeah. And I don't like, and I don't like to see confrontation, um, especially, especially when there are a lot of female bakers in the tent. Because mm. a uh, big guy like him mm. could be a little bit intimidating depending on the person, oh, obviously. Definitely. And another thing I noticed, especially this season, like mm. he's always sort of like roamed around the tent and giving you that like really that soul piercing stare but I feel Death like he stare, did yeah. it I feel like he did it a lot more this season and actually kind of got a little bit overbearing like it was just happening mm. all the time it didn't have the same like it used to always be funny and now because he, it seems like he's doing it so much it just does not feel funny anymore it yeah. actually feels quite quite scary mm. What I will and then say, even though. going back to that maids honor thing, I remember yeah. Steph. She got first in the technical, and even Prue says, um, "Is it the best maids of honor that I've ever had?" No, definitely not. Is it the best <laughs> of this bunch? Yes. I mean, that's and that's what you're going for. I think, especially for technicals, is you're not judging it against. What I you mean, you have before. what you planned. Um, you essentially have to judge what's in front of you. Like, very rarely in a technical does even first place look as good as the example oh, one. Yes. Because oh, I'm yes. I'm sure whoever made the example one had did not have an hour and a half or whatever the time limit was to make it. And they're obvious, and they're, I mean, these people, they're not professionals. They're just people that, you know, they do, they go to work uh, doing mm. whatever they do and they just sort of do the baking thing for a little bit of fun. Yeah, but mm, mm, definitely. What I will say though is um, Hollywood handshakes were not a running thing this season and that is a good thing. Yeah, not as much. I still think he gives them out a little bit too often. Like they were back in when they first started. I can't even remember when they first started. They weren't really that common. So whenever he did give them, it was actually like a really big deal. And it was really special. But especially mm. last season. Oh, last was season give, was... Giving that, like they lost all meaning. And I even feel mm. like, I mean, I don't think he gave them out as much this season. But because he did it so much last year, for me, it's really lost its effect. Yeah, 
That's fair. And, like, no shade to um, Dan from last season getting three <laughs> Hollywood handshakes in a row, um, if I recall that is what happened. Dan's, uh, Dan's the king of shade, as we know from his Oh, well, tweets. then, yes, that's true. Um, can we, so re- again- we can recall that night. I forgot what the original tweet was, but it turned into a gay film reference. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> We will get to this because we are going to now segue very conveniently. And thanks to Sophie for doing that. Um, talking about our bakers. So this year we had the magical cursed 13 bakers dozen. Mm. Um, so let me bring up the list of bakers. Let's see if I haven't deleted them off my phone. Um, so we have Alice, we have Amelia, Dan, David, Helena, Henry, Jamie, Michael, Michelle, Phil, Priya, Rosie, and Steph. So, Brandon, uh, who are your favourites this season? My top three. Um, I, c- I can never limit it to just one, so I'll give you my top three. Uh, my top three were Henry, Michael, and Rosie. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I don't Bless. think that comes of any surprise to you. I mean, for... for v- for l- listeners who may have also watched this, it's very evident as well. You know, they're just three of the possibly, like, best people that you could have um, on a program such as Bake Off. And I also uh, loved Michelle and Helena just putting that out there. <laughs> as Sophie said, you gotta, you got to love how committed they were to their to the brand themes. Yes. Yes, I love that. Um, I actually could not narrow it down to three. Um, so I actually have um, six, which is, some would say, a bit excessive um, for favourites. But they are all my favourites in yeah. one way, shape or another. Um, but I had Michael, Henry, Rosie, Alice, Helena and Michelle. So, you know. And I think particularly with this season is that they were... Um, some of the most, I guess, interactive people. Yeah. For the most part, like, very interactive. And everyone this season, actually, was very interactive on social media. Um, they were. But these, these six sort of stand out. And like you said, and like Sophie said, like, Helena and Michelle, they stuck to their guns. Um, and I applaud them for it. Week in, week out. Helena being our Halloween queen. Um, and Michelle repping Wales um, so strongly. Um, it's it's something that you you just have to you know you love and you you want to see people show their identity through their base. And those yeah. two really did it. Mm. I think uh, to a certain extent, every single person did that. And because one thing uh, one thing that I've always loved about Bake Off. Um, is that you get really, even though you only sort of see them for a really short period of time, but you get so attached to them Mm -hmm. and you actually get really invested in their success and also in their failures and you're always just hoping that they'll make it through each week 
and that yes. and you're always devastated when you go when they go home. And as I said before, I think getting to know the bakers as people as is just as important to the success of the show mm -hmm. as the actual baking itself. Because you know, sort of baking and just cooking in general, but I think baking especially really brings people together. You think you know your morning teas, your picnics, and and the like. It invokes memories. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. Um. And from that, did you have any wild cards this season in terms of... I have you know... two. I like people that... I had David and Rosie on my wild cards list because they were people that sort of... um, They were sort of consistent all throughout the season. And, like, David mm. is basically the living definition of always <laughs> the bridesmaid, never the bride. Because <laughs> oh, they, they were always good... But they just they just never could quite there's always just that especially in, in David's case there were so many weeks, especially towards the end, there was just that one person that did better than them. Like he was always sort of like the next one in line for Starbaker, but there was just that one person that mm -hmm. was ahead of him. But yeah. um I think but he, both of them really I found to be the calmest out of all the bakers, like Rosie especially, because I think she's a vet. Um, obviously, you've got to have a steady mindset uh, to do that sort of thing. Like, she had some horrible things happen to her in that kitchen. Like, I remember in the 1920s week, one of her custard Oh, my God, I felt Fell that. over, and um, the <laughs> filling was just splattered on the floor like a crime scene, and she was, like, just, like... Someone like Steph, for example, I think would have burst into tears and had a complete meltdown. Um, I think Michael would have found that hard to handle as well, but she's just sort of like, meh, some, nothing I can do about it now. I've got, five, yeah. I've got five left. I've got something to present. So she just always found that way to sort of keep a level head. And I think David did as well, because I think especially in his case, because he was sort of like the underdog and like the bridesmaid all throughout the season. I think it can you could see how hard he was trying and how hard he was trying to get better. And I think, you know, it, if you're almost spending so long just almost getting there, it can get quite disheartening and sort of you can lose your motivation, but he never did. And I think it really mm. paid, paid for him in the end because, uh, spoiler alert, he won the whole fucking thing. Oh, yes. Definitely. What about um, you, Josh? I put David and Steph as my wild cards yeah. to get into the grand final. Um, and I guess this segues nicely into like my prediction. Like at the start of the season, um, I think for me, it's like I you can really sort of get a feeling of who will make it to at least um, quarterfinals by yeah. the end of the second or third week. Because you can really sort of, you can suss them out quite easily, like who yeah. has the most consistency and who is starting to learn um, and improve on what they've done mm. um, in those first three weeks. So for me, like I sort of predicted um, a Rosie, Alice um, and Michelle sort of initially, um, but once Michelle had sort of had left in the double elimination, which was quite a strong reaction. Um, yes. Um, yeah. I don't think Sophie's quite gotten over that one. No, some, someone's still salty about that. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm still um, salty about certain things as well. 
Yeah, as am I. Some of them might involve duck, for example. Oh, oh, oh. Callback. Callback to duck. Um, for me, it's Hashtag not only duck. too soon. Hashtag, yeah, definitely too soon. Um, but, you know, like, you could really sort of figure out people. And um, I think for David and Steph, um, they really sort of came into their own towards the second half of the season. Mm. Um, you could tell David was more or less dead set going to be in the final um, because of how consistent he was. It didn't matter that he didn't win Starbaker. Um, and this is something I think that is very important to say. And it came up um, on this season of Canadian Bake Off, um, where Bruno, who is one of the judges, said that like previous performance in terms of who has the most number of star bakers doesn't matter at all in the final it is what happens on the day that really you know makes the call like you can't base um you can't base past performance uh you can't base like a decision made in the grand final based on past performance if it's if it's something bad happens if if the star baker who's had the most number of star bakers has a real shit day and spoiler alert, they did have a real shit day on the day of the grand final. You can't use their past wins as an excuse or a justification for them to get. Absolutely not. And the British bake off is exactly the same as well. I remember back in the Paul and Mary days, they were always adamant that if you make it to the grand final, you deserve to be there and you deserve to have a shot at winning the title. So therefore Mm. doesn't matter what you did last week or in the middle of the season or at the beginning, it's all about how you do on the day. Mm. And um, as we've seen, like me, people improve over time. I think David sort of, he wasn't the best at first, but I think he sort of had that natural instinct with baking as well as the drive to get better. Whereas you've got other people, like unfortunately in Michelle's case, she was one of the ones that I'd predicted at the start that might make it to the end. They're really good at particular things. So in her case, cake, she did the best in cake week, but to get to the end, even just to get to the second half and, you know, you quarterfinal a semi-final, you've got to be good at basically all aspects of baking. And unfortunately, and we've seen it time and time again, some people are really good at, they might be really good at cake or at bread, but they don't have that sort of um, versatility to do lots of different things. And I think mm-hmm. that's what it, and um, also just your ability to handle pressure in that. And I think that's what ended up happening at the end, like Steph, she did get, spoiler alert, uh, four Star Baker titles, the second highest in Bake Off history. But um, mm-hmm. unfortunately, things weren't going her way on the final and she just had a complete meltdown on the day. And as you said, her performance in the past cannot justify giving her the title when she didn't really produce a finale worthy bake in any of the challenges mm. unfortunately but she yeah. is still a really talented baker she deserved to be there but unfortunately oh, yes she just had a bad day shit happens and you have to acknowledge that um you know there is a lot of stress that goes into preparing for something like this yeah. and more so for someone that ends up in the grand final yeah. because 
and I think this is something I've noticed and has, I think, especially for British Bake Off because it's the most um, pervasive and most known Bake Off yeah. um, compared to some of the others like here in Australia and the Canadian one um, because Bake Off is, you know, um, well known in many parts of the world, but it's British Bake Off that we're referencing here, is that I think the viewing audience needs a reminder that people can have shit days and to understand that you shouldn't be taking you shouldn't be venting your anger at the person it's it's not their it's not their fault that these circumstances like the stress can you know can cause them to have a very severe anxiety attack in the middle of you know doing a bake and that is something that happens but you shouldn't be throwing shit at them. Mm. And that is something I think particularly happened with... Um, I don't know how this happened. I don't know how Rosie got quite a lot of shit from viewers online. Um, yeah, I, I found that a lot. Because like when Henry went home in the quarterfinals, everyone was mm. saying that Rosie should have gone home. <sighs> yeah. And I don't, I don't think so. I think if you watch that episode closely, you can tell that Henry didn't f- fulfill the brief that was given to him. Yeah, it was literally like, I mean, I'm sure, I mean, it takes a lot of talent to do a vertical pie, but yes. at the end of the day, he literally just stacked pies up on top of each other. And as he mentioned on the extra slice, he didn't really have a clear theme in mind when he was preparing for that bake. He yes. just sort of thought, had a loose idea that it looked like a chandelier and that's mm. what he called it. And another thing is, um, like, yes, Rosie's like pie, they might have been dried, but she had she had a clear idea of what the theme was and I think she executed the presentation of that theme really well. And another redeeming mm. factor is um, she actually came second in the usually forgotten technical challenge, yeah. whereas Henry was towards the bottom. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And one big prop I will give back, going back to Sev, one big prop I have to give her is um, I remember one of her family members that was talking um, in the grand final that said about 12 mm. months prior, she was, Steph was not doing was not in a good place uh, mentally and that baking and cooking sort of helped her find her her feet again and she started mm. to enjoy life again and to go from that and have the courage to go on a show that is watched and talked about by millions of people, that takes guts. Yeah, definitely. And even like to Michael as well, he has talked quite openly about his struggles with anxiety and that, and he had some moments in the shed, but he managed to push through it. And even just the fact that I think the fact that he even applied for the show, big props to him, that's a big step. And he actually said that the hardest part of the process was just doing the application. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And very, very nicely. We get to talk about Michael because, um, uh, this part, I guess, of the Baker's thing, we have, um, tentatively called thirst. (laughs) For many reasons. follows our live tweeting sessions in Australia, um, 
Josh and I were quite known for our, our thirst tweets. Sorry, not sorry. No, not sorry at all. What is, I mean, we're not, it's not just gay guys that do it. Girls do it too. Uh, oh, goodness me. But yeah, Michael, can, yeah, Michael is just like, oh, God My bless. My two thirst to Henry and Michael. Yes. <laughs> um, Henry gave me a lot of the kid from Love Actually vibes. <laughs> Just the, the the face alone was just like this is yeah no this is a completely different person but you look so similar and and the ties we have to give props to Henry for very dapper very dapper but yeah but for those of you very keen viewers may have noticed he only started doing this from episode two onwards um he didn't wear a tie in the first episode. So, he he found his brand, and, you know, like, for Henry, being the youngest baker this year, um, having garnered, I guess, a lot of, like, fan adoration for him, because he, I think he was one of the people that um, the editors cut to a lot for reactions, and he, like, the way that he conveys emotion, particularly when it's someone that he's grown to, like, bond with closely, you can see, like, he, when he gets very emotional, he, it shows. And it's just like, oh, my goodness, precious child, someone protect the boy. Someone please, please protect him. Um, anyway, it's sort of like Samira in MasterChef Australia last year. Yes. She literally wore her heart on her sleeve. Oh, my goodness. And, yeah, and like, another thing about Henry, yes, he's, you know, he's that precious boy that you want to protect, but at the same time, really caring, wholesome guy, and I almost felt oh, yes. like he sort of took care of some of the other bakers, who were all old, older than him, because after watching this season, I just want Henry to hug me and call me darling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I, I think there's a, there's a cue for that, um, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, gay, gays are the, are the front of the line, though. <laughs> We get the ex- we get the express lane. Oh <laughs> uh, dear. I guess I'll, I'll. I think I. I. I think I have permission to gush about Michael because, um, watching him on the show, actively like, um, trying to reframe a lot of the bad stuff that happened. Uh, it's it's just like this. This doesn't happen with straight men, or men in general, actually. And it's so... It was such a refreshing sort of thing to see. And it's just like, damn boy. I, it, it was just like, ah, uh, so wholesome. And what a way to initiate, I guess, conversation about, um, you know having a relationship with anxiety and how you can um, mitigate its effects as well and do it in a way that is, you know, it's beneficial to um, to lots of people as well. So, you know, 
Ah, Michael. Um, and obviously for people that know me, I do a lot of gifts and I'm not sorry that a lot of my gifts of this season of Bake Off, let me just pull up my gallery now because I did an insane number of gifts. Um, well, I mean, in our little Twitter circle, you're basically known as the gift master. Yes, I am. Hi, Mama Joe. I don't know if you'll be listening to this, but yes. Um, so I have 492 gifts. And that is exclusively British Bake Off Season 10. <laughs> so that is a lot. If you think about, um, I only have about 300 gifts from both seasons of MasterChef. British Bake Off was like a mood, a very big mood. <laughs> and that's um, really amazing considering how many gifts you made of Ben in this season of MasterChef. Yes. Sorry, Ben. I, I, uh, uh, yeah, there's just better material, I think. Um, and, um, and another thing is, unfortunately, uh, for Ben, he unfortunately did get edited out for a good portion of the season. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's going to happen. You had 24 people to start off with, whereas Bake Off, you only start off with usually 12, 12 or 13 in this case. In this 13. case. Mm. So, you know, there's more time, there's more screen time, and you get to see, um, you know, the, f- the the fun, quirky stuff that happens. Yeah. And I have, like, a whole, like, which week was it that Michael was just in such a big innuendo mood? <laughs> um, is this the... No, it's the week before he left, which was... Desserts week, was it? Yes, desserts week. I think that's the one where I have him with the the winking at the bottom. I cannot. Yes, yes, he was flirting with the bottom. That's right. <laughs> ah, oh Michael, oh oh Michael, you have they won my heart. On behalf of the moon, they will be free again. Ah, <laughs> oh, that Sailor Moon reference. Oh God bless. Yeah, it's a really special one. Like my cosmic moon power one, I use it. You know. Nearly, you know, a few times a week, but that other one, it, I, it, only certain people get that one. Mm-hmm. And Henry and Michael and Rosie, all very deserving of it. Oh, yes, definitely. Definitely. Um, I guess we'll move on to, from bakers to the bakes. So, um, I, I'll start off, I guess, talking about what sort of, um, signatures caught my eye. Um, I actually have multiple from different weeks. Um, from bread week, I, I actually liked, um, Michael's, like, Carolyn, Taryn Cher, and, uh, who else do I have here? I have Michelle's Nos and Gos, which is the cheese, the cheese night yeah. thing. I think that translates to, yeah, cheese night from Welsh and then Helena's cinnamon rolls because oh those cinnamon rolls look really good I don't I don't care what Paul thinks about um them being hidden they're they they look really good um from that and then I have from the roaring 20s week David's flapper girl tarts oh yes um those like you can tell David was meant to was going to go places because of the way that Look at, look at like the, 
the detail and the outlines that he did and how thin those black outlines were yeah on those flapper girls just like oh oh okay okay wow um what else do i have here i have two more i have from festival week henry's cardamom which are the uh cardamom um bread roll things props um, to you to being able to pronounce to even being able to pronounce that <laughs> i was like um well i mean you know we had we had other quirky things pop up from other from other shows so cardamom is very easy to just rolls off the tongue i guess <laughs> Um, and the last one I have is from Patisserie Week, which is, uh, Rosie's Dome Tart, which just looks so great. Um, what, what signatures caught your eye, Brendan? Yeah, it's actually a very difficult one. Like, remembering Bake is pretty easy because there's only 13 of them, but trying to, because it has been such a long time, it's hard to remember individual bakes. I do have a couple here that definitely stood out in my memory, and another one of mm. them overlaps as yours was David's Flapper Girl Custard Tarts from 1920s Week. Yep. The amount of, like, just the resemblance was so in the face and just all the... Details. And the consistency. Between all of them. Like, My I found Lord. on this show, like, people can present, you know, pretty cool stuff, but when it comes to replicating, like, faces and detail like that, very few mm. people are actually good at that. And if you can yep. do that, you're meant to be in that... You're meant to be in that tent. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, another one that I had, um, and it really stood out, um, in a way, well, not for the wrong reasons, but Henry's fruitcake from the very, very first. Episode. Oh, the one with the the one with the uh, royal icing house. Yeah, like that little royal icing house. Like, and just to do that when you have first week nerves, his hands were shaking to get oh, that, and oh it was God. so intricate. I felt so bad that he nearly got it on the cake, but then he fumbled at the last. I know. Then it just. My- my heart was just like, oh no, oh no. I I felt that it's the same way I felt Rosie's um tart like fly off the bench. Yes. That was just like a oh my god, I cannot, I cannot envy. I do not wish to be in your position right now. I'm just like, oh, oh dear, but yeah. Yeah, those were the only two um, I had okay. on my list. I think there were there were probably other ones that at the time I was like, "Oh, that's mm. really good," but it's just it's been months. I it's just and fair it's, enough. And unfortunately, I didn't have time to go back and rewatch every single episode. I wish I could have, but <laughs> life life happens. Yeah, life happens, and I guess kind of luckily for me, I I was able to kind of rewatch speed rewatch it last night um before recording so this is why i have so many i guess um we'll move on to what was the in your opinion what was the best technical challenge or if you have multiple Uh, i've got multiple um especially with technical challenges i think it's really hard to narrow down a best one just simply because they're usually the ones that you forget first Yeah. Yep. Um, so I do have a few here. Uh, and another one from 1920s week. I really like that beignet, however you pronounce it. The souffles. beignet soufflés. Those little um, 
were they shoe pastry balls or something like that? And then they had to make the Zabayang custard um, yep. to go with it. I really liked that one. I know it technically wasn't baking per se because the dough balls were fried instead mm -hmm. of baked, but I still really liked it because it had that typical bake-off technical feel where they were literally given six instructions and it's just like, make this, make that, make, and, you know, they leave out measurements and all that kind of stuff, which I think they do also pretty well on the Canadian bake-off, but I'm not 100% mm. sure if it happens because they never really talk that much about how much is actually left out in the Australian bake-off technicals at times. They actually make it very clear that you get they got the whole recipe, um, which I don't believe, and I believe a technical, it should have to rely on your baking instincts. That's just my opinion anyway. Another one I had on my list from Desserts Week was the Vareen, the layered Vareen technical challenge where they had to make uh -huh. six like panna cotta like vereens. I just thought it looks out of all the technicals, I think for me that was probably the most aesthetically pleasing this season. And, and as we know from lots of different shows, MasterChef, all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff, any sort of challenge you have to do in a limited amount of time with set elements, yes. quite hard to do. It can work, it might not work. And, yeah, another reason why I think that stood out in my memory is because, you know, panna cotta, and we know <laughs> we know it's a, a really great chap. I wonder who again. does panna cottas. <laughs> Hashtag Team Ben. <laughs> I, don't, I, I doubt, highly doubt Ben will ever listen to this, but... Oh, you never know. You never know. If he does, he, if he truly does. is truly is a great guy. He was, in my opinion, he was he was my favorite on that season. Mhm. Mm Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, and then the last one I had was from the grand final, the twice twice baked Stilton, twice baked Stilton soufflés. Another souffle, but. There's a reason why I think they chuck souffles in the technical because they're bloody fucking hard. Oh yeah, and and like timing is is a big Everything. thing, especially. And another, and it was really interesting is that you had to know with the Ban Marie whether to put cold water or hot or hot water. water. So yeah. Alice and David both put hot water, and yes. Steph put cold water and. Every single one of hers, when she turned it out, it was not cooked. It literally yeah. just was still, bits of it were still running. And it. Mm -hmm. And whereas the other two, I mean, they weren't perfect, but they actually held their shape when they came yeah. out of the ramekins. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and the one thing I really love about uh, British Bake Off technicals is they leave out even like, measurements of like what ingredients to put in and all uh -huh. that kind of stuff yeah and so you have to sort of guess by taste and what you've done in the past what is going to be the right amount of flavor to put in yeah mm. yeah mm. those are some interesting technicals um that you've chosen i guess for me i i went with some things that um and I definitely get where you're going with the, especially with the Stilton soufflés and the beignet um, soufflés, the those tiny donut shoe paste, shoe pastry things. 
but what I went with were for me was from pastries week was the uh, Moroccan pie that was Ooh, made with the that brick was really pastry. Because that was like a true technical challenge. Is like, aside from balancing spices, you have to make the um, layers of the warka pastry, um, you know, and, and that is technically quite challenging. And to make sure that um, the filling doesn't soak through any of the layers and then cause it to mm. collapse as well. That was, for me, quite an interesting and very challenging technical. Um, Especially because that pastry, Mm. like, you had to put a thin layer of the mixture on, like, a hot plate, and then you basically, it's also, like, very, like, wafery, um, papery pastry, and so to get that... Like, obviously, you've got to get, get the spices of the Moroccan filling right, as you said, but also making sure the pastry has, even though it's going to be very brittle, like, very flaky, papery mm. pastry, that it has structural integrity so that when you take it out of the, the mould and put it on the plate, it doesn't just fall apart like it did, unfortunately, for quite a number of people. Yeah, and... Yeah, that was that was something for me that was like, oh, I've seen I've seen brick pastry done before, um, and if I recall, is this is this the episode where Henry makes the is it is it this episode where he makes the the comment like, oh, if anyone has heard of this, I will get naked. I be- I think yeah I think that was actually that episode because <laughs> uh, I, and I think they were talking about especially talking about that type of pastry as well yeah. the Walker pastry yeah I certainly hadn't heard of it before this before this episode uh, yeah yeah I I had heard it referred to as brick pastry before so when when Sandy mentioned like Walker is or brick pastry it's like oh okay I know what this is um. But yeah, that that moment stands out as quite a very funny moment because yeah, you cut from Henry saying that if anyone knows what this is, I will strip down and get naked and then cut to David saying, oh, I've, I've heard of this before. And then you cut back to Henry just looking off into the distance and like, bitch, please. <laughs> Oh yeah, our oh. Henry had a lot of funny moments in the week that he got Star Baker. I remember. Oh my God! Paul yes. said he really liked. Uh, was it his? Was it his Cardamama Bella? Or if, yes, it was that. Yeah, he said he really liked that, and he was like, "Shut up, shut up." <laughs> oh, oh, the clapback is glorious. That was that was genuinely quite funny. Uh yeah. <laughs> Ah, uh, never forget, never forget Henry telling Paul Hollywood to shut up. <laughs> oh, dear. The fact um, that we still remember that months later mm-hmm. speaks is a testament to his... How, how memorable uh, that moment was, and just him in general, I think. Yeah, definitely. I have one more, and it comes from the semi-final episode, um, which is the Gato Santo Honore. Yeah. The... Um, and it, what's strange is it featured on Canadian Bake Off, I believe, in the previous season, um, as a showstopper, if I'm not mistaken. I think, and also if I'm not mistaken, I'd have to go back to confirm. I also think they did it as a showstopper in season one of Australian Bake Off in Shoe Pastry Week. They did oh, okay. some some sort of say honoré anyway. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, but putting it as a technical mm. is such a dick move, and I love that. <laughs> um, because, well, if you know it's shoot, then it should be, you should know what to do with it. It is literally just shoot pastry done and puff, um, with cream. And, you know, like to see that in a technical and to give them such a, like a, such a short time frame to do yeah. a Saint Honoré is, is remarkable. And you have to give props to them for, for everyone who completed it because like, damn, bloody hell, this looks good. Yeah, and that's okay. why I'm a big believer when it comes to technical challenges in Bake Off, they should never, ever have the full recipe. Yeah. Something, unfortunately, Aussie Bake Off is very guilty of at times because I'm just a big believer if you were selected to be the, in that tent, if you're given a full mm-hmm. recipe, you should be able to produce it no problem. So, I will you know, to a pretty good standard at least. So that's why I believe the true, the only way you're going to test a baker's ability in the technical is to leave out certain parts because if they've got that basic baking knowledge, they should be able to fill in the blanks. Yeah, yeah. And that's how you separate the really good bakers from the ones that may not be as well-rounded. Yeah, definitely. And I think for... The important aspect here is that you, um, you need to be showcasing some technique, um, and you need to make sure that you're doing it well. And I think there was an interview, um, that one of the Canadian bakers did this from this season mm. of Canadian, um, where they were talking about, um, how, how they, um, like with training for technicals was getting their partner or their husband to, uh, to basically tell them like, do this specific technique. Um, because you know, you're, you're not going to get, you're going in, this is the only challenge that is like truly blind. So you have to get, you have to know basically, um, a good, a good skill set of techniques to bring into the tent. Cause you don't know what's going to come up and, if you have things like, oh, make a crumb pat, you should kind of have a very, very good idea yeah. of that. Um, and knowing your meringues and knowing, um, your rough puffs, get those down. Um, because those are very easy. And once yeah. you know them, it's basically your, it's your, you know, it's ingrained in your memory by then. Um, yeah, some like, of these other things. As yeah. it's always been said throughout time, if you, if you're, applying for Bake Off or you've been already been selected to be on Bake Off, you need to know your basics of cake, pastry, yeah. bread, and I'd probably say biscuits because they're sort of like the four things that are all, and mm-hmm. they're sort of like the basic building blocks of baking and they always feature in every season in some shape or form and everything else sort of stems and develops from that into different mm. things. Yeah, so... Yeah, and whereas um, the technical challenge in Master Chef, just every challenge is like that. You don't know what <sighs> you don't know what what's going to be thrown at you. Yes, yes, that is that is. And then I think true. that's sort of unfortunately. I know this is not a Master Chef podcast, but I think that's <laughs> why, unfortunately, at times the cooks on Master Chef Australia sort of 
like certain people were just doing the same sort of techniques and cuisine and that over and over again. But when you think about it, if you don't know what you doing until you get there you kind of you'd be kind of an idiot to try something that you don't know how to do yeah yeah because you could be the best cook in the world but if you do that and you mess it up can be the day that you go home Mm -hmm. true definitely so yeah um i guess the last sort of bit of this section um did you have any showstoppers that oh yeah i've got a number of showstoppers on my list (laughs) that stopped your show yes the first one i'm gonna bring up it's from biscuit week is rosie's Mm -hmm. favorite chicken oh the hen legs yeah (laughs) like i mean if you go uh, i do suggest if you haven't seen it go and watch the episode or even just look at a photo of it on google like just the attention to detail with the feathers and just the overall design right down to the colors and all that is just breathtaking like everything was executed really perfectly and um mm-hmm. she was in running to be star baker that week and um because she did really well over the three challenges and probably the only reason she got picked at the post is because alice had done uh, had done better in the technical that week and mm. even another reason why it's so memorable to me is the story and this is going back to why it's important to get that backstory about the bakers is the story she had behind why she was doing that was because she had some chickens that got attacked by a fox and her favorite uh, this one that she said was her favorite was the only one that survived <laughs> gotta love that oh, Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Oh, and then, and then another common theme of this episode is that nineteen twenties week. I think uh, that was mm-hmm. actually a really good week. I have to say, um, there are two yeah. that I've got from there. I really liked Rosie and Henry's Prohibition era showstoppers, both white <laughs> Russian. I know why. If any of you have, uh, about five months ago, Josh and I did an episode on his other series, Let's Get Deeper, and I was talking about some of my favourite cocktails, um, the White Russian might have might have popped up, and I saw that, and I'm like, yeah, flavour, yeah. Actually, like, in just in general, I loved that showstopper challenge, because who doesn't love a cocktail-themed... Oof. Well, I think... I don't know if he's already seen it. He might be saving himself for when it comes onto Foxtel. But I think Chris Chris Buchanan from our mate from the Washing Up. I think I I think he'll be a big fan of that challenge. Mhm. Mhm. And like, it's it, not it even just like the flavour. Like, I that's probably my favourite cocktail out of the ones I have tasted. But even just the look of them was really really good. And especially Rosie's. Um, she had that sort of black mirror glaze that went over it and she had that gold i think it's called gold luster dust or something like that it was really good mm-hmm. yeah and then what else um michelle's toadstool from the very very first week toadstool 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 you know the fairy the fairy house cake. oh the fairy house cake like i mean it's gonna be you know if Paul Hollywood says it's absolutely faultless. It's pretty memorable, I think. Mm. And, like, I remember, I'm pretty sure it was Carrot Cake. 
it was a carrot cake inside and one thing like I'm actually I haven't had too many decorated like highly decorative cakes with font and that but every every single one that I've had personally so far looks amazing then you mm -hmm. cut into it eat it and it doesn't actually taste very nice I yeah. think something like a carrot cake like a really humble carrot cake you can't go wrong with it. That cinnamon, nutmeg, mm. whatever you've put into it, spot yeah. on. And like, and another reason why it's so memorable is if you go back and look at the gifts from when it was made, that face that she made when she was taking <laughs> it back. Oh, yes. You can't describe uh, it. Bless. Bless. And then the very last one that I have on my list uh, going to the grand final was mm -hmm. David's uh, David's um, his picnic, picnic? basket. Because I really think that is the bake that really clenched him the win. Mm -hmm. And you looked at, like, um, I'm not always a huge fan of when they've got to do multiple different elements like different bakes within the one challenge but this one i think worked really well and if you looked at everything in his picnic basket right down to the nougatine biscuit basket uh, the nougatine picnic basket itself like he had thought about and paid careful attention to detail to every single thing it looked like a basket his cheeses which i think were actually cake they looked like cheese um, his fig mm. rolls, I think he was the one that did the fig rolls, which also happened yep. to be a technical in Biscuit Week. They literally looked like sausage rolls. <laughs> and there was a really funny bit uh, when they were deliberating. Uh, yes. um, Sandy mm -hmm. was like, oh, can you pass me a sausage roll? And then Paul or Noel was like, oh, it's a fig roll. And she was like, oh, never mind. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was everything uh, yeah. I had. What about you, Josh? Ooh, who made okay. your, who made your list? I have I have several. So I I definitely agree with Rosie's hen from Biscuit Week and um, David's picnic um, basket and like spread in the final because that um, especially with David's one, the fig rolls were an homage to Jamie's attempt at doing fig rolls. Um, <laughs> The, the precious boy that Jamie is thought you had to do an egg wash on fig rolls. Um, so when, uh, Paul looked at them, he, he looked at them and said, they look more like sausage rolls. So, you know, Jamie giving the idea to David to make illusion sausage rolls, um, was such a brilliant, like, handoff. And it's like, ah, oh, bless. Um, I will add Helena's, um, spider from Biscuit Week into that because it is so, um, so scary. It is that, it, I, I'm just like, I'm here for the spooky. Um, um, with Alice's sheep though, I was, I was just a little bit, um, I have it here as well. I was just a little bit, I guess, iffy because macaron shells, are they biscuits? Hmm. <laughs> I'm not a hundred percent sure about that's, that that's, one. That's why I'm like, um, are they? Are they? Are we entering like uh, flora territory where we're just making things? Um, oh, look at a love flora. She puts macarons on. She, she could probably put a macaron on a sausage roll. 
Oh, interesting, interesting. But yeah, and I did like Alice's showstopper that week, but I think Rosie's, in my opinion, was better. Yep, fair enough. I still think Um, Alice deserved that star baker that week because she was first in the technical and she got really good feedback on... Um, the other two challenges as well. So, And that's mm. one thing I really like about the judging on British Bake Off is that, well, from a viewer perspective anyway, they actually look at all three challenges and sort of weigh them up, whereas I felt sometimes on the Aussie Bake Off throughout the season, sometimes too much emphasis is put on the showstopper. So to the point where it's like, what was the point of doing the first two challenges if that's the, the decider of who gets Star Baker and who goes home? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. And, yeah, it's definitely more of, like, a holistic view on what happened that week. Um, so, yeah. Uh, what else do I have? I actually have quite a few. Um, from Bread Week, I have Michael's Campfire one, as well as David's Masks. Yeah, they were, I, they stick out in my head, too. But I think Michael's one more so because he was, like, he was trying to describe the flavour profile of it, and he was trying to, I don't know, was he trying to pluralise Mediterranean? Because he went Mediterranean, Mediterranean, Italy. <laughs> and I was like, I'm dead. Yeah. Uh, that was One funny. thing uh, I think Bake Off judges really love is when you reflect the flavours in the overall mm. presentation of the of the bake. And I think he did yeah. that really well, like, because Mediterranean, you think, like, red, you know, sun-dried tomatoes, roasted capsicums and all that kind of stuff, and he captured that mm-hmm. colour in those loaves. Yes, definitely. Um, I have a few more. Here we go. Um, from Pastries Week, I have Steph's Carousel. Um, just the detail. The detail on it was just amazing. Um, oh, that's one that I forgot to mention. I freaking loved Rosie's. Um, sorry to interrupt you, Josh, but I just had a is that brain the tree. Wave. I loved Ro- I Rosie's Rapunzel's Tower. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With the dragon. Yes, it was. Ah, so oh, bless, bless. Yeah, um, I think for Patisserie Week, I have um, Alice's Save the Ocean's Sugar Glass Display thing, because that was actually really cool, the way that she was able to make the um, isomalt yeah. into, like, waves, and the entremet was like, oh. Um, there's one last one from Festival Week, which is um, Henry's Koylapis Sarawak, Um <laughs> For me, having listening to um, Sandy mention, I can't remember. Yeah, both both Sandy and Noel try to say "Quay Lapis Sarawak" <laughs> in the most English way possible. I'm just like, you tried, you tried. I will give you some props for trying. Um, I think that is something that threw a lot of viewers. Like that was such a left left field um curveball for them um but for me having grown up in southeast asia and knowing what that is um and and seeing it on bake off it's just such a good thing it's like ah 
I know it's a bitch to make because I have done it several times before. Um, just even making the regular version of that is is difficult, so I have to give props to them. But especially Henry's, because it really does look like a box. Um, yeah. Because so, yeah, um, I do remember that showstopper challenge, and I'd never heard of it before, but it was mm-hmm. really obscure. But prop, like, just props to them, just being to anyone that was able to close all their gaps and make it actually look like a box. Because I do remember, I can't remember specific, but there were people where their cake was actually well made and it looked nice, but the way it was assembled, it left gaps or it just didn't fit right. Yeah, yeah, and. You know, it's, um, yeah, it's definitely one of those challenges that, um, you really have to applaud, like, everyone's work on what they've done, because this is definitely, like, and especially the, um, I think it's the the Dairy Week um, showstopper, where they make the Indian sweets. Oh, the Mishti. Mm-hmm. I was talking to um a few uh, a friend of mine actually um mishti is the um is the specific term that is given to those sweets in one region of the country um and there was some sort of um reaction through twitter that was like yes i mean i i understand it's not um it's not the term that is used everywhere in India, but, you know, you kind of have to give concession if they want to give it a traditional Indian term. Yeah. Something something for people to attach it to, um, but obviously keeping in mind that it's not necessarily the same word that is used all throughout India. Um, so, you know, it's like, yeah, the... The Kue Lapis Sarawak is, um, sorry, Kek Lapis Sarawak, um, because it, there's a difference, although they're both layered. Um, Kek Lapis is cake, um, Kue Lapis is the chewy, um, chewier sort of like tapioca flour version of that, glutinous flour version of that. Um, but yes, um, those were mine. And I think we're getting ready to uh, move to towards the end. So, um, is there anything, I guess, you'd like to see different hmm. in going on, like, beyond the season, like, from season 11 onwards? Is there something that you think British Beckoff could use? Hmm. I think in... I think this section, it's probably, and some of the suggestions we can come up with, you could probably apply it to all the bake-offs, but um, I think one thing that's always been noted is the fact that this show's been on for however long it has, like like 10 years, basically, it actually gets quite hard to continuously come up with new challenges and keep it all interesting. I think they actually did that really well this season. Like, there was just looking mm. at the list of all the different bakes and that, there were definitely a huge improvement in the variety and the, techni- the technical skill um, sort of needed. They were certainly not things that you would make at home. Some things yeah. I had in mind is possibly um, exploring different cultures 
of the world. Mm. I mean, there's lots of different cultures like South America and that. Don't you don't really see I, apart from maybe like Mexican, you don't really hear of that often. Anyone mm. who follows me on Instagram, I am sort of on a bit of a Peruvian cuisine kick at the moment. <laughs> so perhaps they could do a Peruvian week. I don't know how that would work, but it's mm. an idea. And um. I think one thing that you and I have talked about, and I think the British people would be quite responsive uh, to this, uh, perhaps a Pride Week. Oh, yes. I don't yes. know what kind of bakes you, like, I don't know if there's any... What would, what would constitute, I guess? Yeah, I mean, obviously the rainbow, the colours and that. Uh -huh. like, are there actually any bakes that are strictly Pride-related? I don't know. But, I mean, I would those be are some ideas that they could... Go down. Um, even some of the different mm. uh, time periods. Um, ones, some of the, depending on which time period they pick, they can be quite interesting. Sometimes I do mm. think they need to give things like vegan or free from weeks a little bit of a rest because I mean I think once or twice is enough. Mm. Gets a bit boring. Well, for me, it gets a little bit old because just as a concept. I mean, I'm sure there's there's lots of things you can do with vegan food or, you know, foods that don't contain gluten or dairy or that kind of stuff. As a concept, it's a pretty much... You pretty much get what the concept is just in the one episode. I don't think... For me, I don't think it really needs to be explored again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I kind of agree with a lot of the stuff that you said, particularly, like, beyond... Um, beyond the very sort of eurocentric stuff that tends to come up on cooking i mean there's shows. even some asian stuff that could probably do oh yes as well i mean and yes. um Afri there's a middle east africa there's yeah. lots of other different continents that i don't think really get, get represented on the show and i think that's sort mm. of how they're going to keep the show running and interesting is if they bring in stuff because one of the things that I think one of the reasons why it became so popular in the first place, it was, especially on BBC, it was very educational. Like each episode, uh, Mel or Sue, uh, they would go off out into the field and go, they could go to a different country or a specific region mm -hmm. um, that makes a sort of bake that's related to that week and you would learn about how it's made and the history and all that. And like that kind of thing, it got, people in Britain really interested in baking again because they're learning stuff and like that's one of the reasons I fell in love with Bake Off is I was learning stuff that you didn't see every day so that's what I would like to see more of is that they're bringing in stuff that we wouldn't necessarily know about mm -hmm. like yeah. a cupcake for example <laughs> lots of people make cupcakes I think cupcakes <gasps> should be banned from Bake Off that's my opinion Okay. What about enough. you, Josh? What would you like to see? I would, I would like to see, um, from what I know, British Bake Off has done a, um, an Australian week. Have they done an Australian week? Not from or, what I can remember. Okay. Not a strictly oh, because... Australian week. They might have done, I, I would have to go back and look. They might have done a bake that might have been Australian, uh... but they've, from I would have remembered if they did an Australian week. That would be pretty cool, though, if they did. I reckon, like a Lamington Technical. Um, <laughs> um, what else? What else is Iced Vovos? Um, 
What else is there? Pavlovians. Tim Tim, oh, yes. I want a Tim Tam technical. Um, that would be, that would be like a true kick in the butt for some people because not only do you have to, it's multiple versions of chocolate and then you have to temper the chocolate. Um, and then make sure everything is covered and it's like, ooh, that would be an interesting technical. Um, aside, I guess, aside from exploring non-European stuff, I, I would be curious to see what a Canadian week would be like on British. They could include Saskatoon berries. <laughs> if they exist, our, our good friend Chris thinks they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, they could do butter tarts, which are very Canadian, um, or Nanaimo bars, which are very West Coast Canadian. Um, and, I don't, yeah, just, you know, like, it would be interesting to see some of these, like, come up on, on Bake Off. Um, and I don't know, like, what else you could possibly do if, if, um, this is a very big if, but I I don't know what would happen for it to happen, uh, for it to actually happen. But I don't know if Paul might stay on for much longer. Um, mm-hmm. if, if that is like, if fatigue is something that is truly affecting his performance or his, um, ethics as a judge, yeah. I don't know. You, you know, like that is something that has, to, you know, happens from time to time is like, I think there comes a point where you just need to let it go and move on. Mm. Yeah. And I'm like, as much as he's a stalwart of the show, it is nice to get a different perspective. Yeah. Um, so maybe so that's that why, might happen in the future. That's one of the reasons why, you know, it'll be interesting to see, like, with MasterChef Australia, how the yes. new lineup will go. Because I definitely, like, I mean, I ha- didn't watch all of the seasons over the 10 years. I do, rem- like, I remember it was really, really good in the beginning, like, you know, back in the Julie and Poe days. But I think just over the years, it just it does wear you down like and things are only good for so long you know nothing good lasts forever yeah and that's why you know you have to enjoy it while you can because Mm. nothing lasts forever yeah Yeah. and like it it's good if you know if the show finishes on a high note rather than you know being worn down yeah i mean and that like um like for example the other night um actually i think it was last night actually joe our good friend mama joe kendra mm-hmm. um she posed a question on twitter what i got some good shows that i can binge and the one that i put forward was fleabag for which there are only two seasons and season uh-huh. two um anyone that follows the Emmys was uh, it won outstanding comedy series as well as a few other ones. It was a truly, really good season and you would think they would continue on, but Phoebe Waller-Bridge has said for now, it, you know, the story ended where it needed to end and I'm glad that it ended on a really good note. Yeah. And same, and like, for example, with Harry Potter, people always ask J.K. Rowling, um, whether she's going to follow that up or is she going to continue? And she said she always had only seven books in mind 
so, and that's all the stories that she had, and um, it needed to stop where it did because you wouldn't the story wouldn't be as good if she tried to continue one. And she said after something like that, she did just never felt the need to try and follow that up. I think it's perfectly fine to leave something good as it is and always be able to remember it for what it was rather than trying to go on for too long. It kind of it kind of becomes a bit cringy and almost a bit sad when some people are so desperate to hold on to what was good in the past. But but it just is not working anymore, and I do think there will come a time where it just it just needs to stop. When that mm. day will come, I don't know. I think for Paul, though, I think it might need to stop eventually, probably sooner rather yes. than later. Mm -hmm. Definitely, yeah. Uh, so that's basically it for this episode. Um, thank you, Brandon. For Always a joining pleasure, me with Josh. Um, and I guess, uh, where can people find you? Um, so, on my public social media, I'm on twi both Twitter and Instagram. So, both of my usernames for that are Sirius, spelt S-E-R-I-O-U-S, underscore black 96. So, Twitter's where you find all my Sailor Moon gifts, um, all my little banter and gay shit, if that's what you want to call it. <laughs> and then Instagram mm -hmm. is when I get time, I will put up a bake here and there. Yes. With with the hashtag let Brandon bake. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, um, that is still going after yeah. about nearly two years now. I do appreciate that people actually seem to like my stuff. Usually when I post it in my head, it's Nothing that special, but I always really appreciate when people like what I start, what I've done, which is nice. Mm. Yeah, um, and um, again, big huge thank you to Sophie for giving us a little bit of audio and a little bit of insight into why she loves Great British Bake Off so much. Um, if you want to go follow her, she is a co-host on You Know What I Like podcast, so they're a friend of mine. Um, her and Mark, they get to basically talk every month about something they're really interested in and they want to share with you. So if you want to go and follow them, you can go sub to the podcast wherever you want to um, or follow them on Twitter, Y-E-K-W-I-L podcast. Um, and if you want to come follow me, um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at abangpinoy. This podcast um, is part of Great Mates, so go follow our Great Mates podcast socials on Twitter and Instagram. Sub to this channel and to all the other channels that we have, um, including Let's Get Deeper, where you can listen to Brandon talk about um, his love for white Russians and um, lots of other fun stuff. Um, and the main show, Great Mates podcast, wherever you listen. Feel free to leave us a rating and review and share it to your friends. And um, next the next episode in this little mini series that we've got going is going to cover the great canadian baking show or canadian bake off as we'll be referencing it um and then after that we have our final episode of the mini series which is going to be a very special theoretical hypothetical uh bake off commonwealth games episode so g get ready for that because that one's actually going to be quite fun um but apart from that 
Um, thank you for listening, and we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye bye. Where are we going? Where are we going?